For many international students, the experience with college admissions is a bit different, as are the applications to international universities. What are the differences between American schools and applications and those of international colleges? What can they illustrate about how to best apply to schools outside of the United States and the challenges facing those who are looking at schools in the United States from international locations? Welcome to the Highway to Higher Ed, a podcast that considers issues facing students applying to college as they attempt to make the transition into higher education. I'm your host, Alex W. Merrill. I'm joined today by educational consultant Erta Gruhl Jordan. Founder of Student Hub, Erta Gruhl is an educational entrepreneur with initiatives in human resources, educational coaching, and technologies, sports, arts, and sciences for 10 years. After graduating from Middle East Technical University, majoring in psychology and mathematics, he continued his education at Drexel, Harvard, and Seton Hall universities. During that period, he was a member of the Association of Independent Educational Consultants, and since 2010, he has been actively providing consultancy services in New York. Jordan, who developed the 4C4 Life Educational Model as his thesis work at Drexel University in 2014, is also the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Competing with the Best of the World. Jordan has been working in Istanbul since 2016. Urte welcome to the show. Thank you for welcoming me. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. And uh, so if you could just maybe start off by uh, telling me a little bit about, you know, your career history and uh, how you got into college consultant. Uh, when I was in high school, I was very good in math. So I got some national and international medals in math Olympiads. Uh, after that, I just chose a math major and I went to the top university, which is called Middle East Technical University in Turkey, Ankara. And after studying two years, I figured out that I love understanding people more than math. So I just changed my major, going with um, psychology. I worked three years in human resources. Uh, I also figured out that the kids who are going from high school to college doesn't know how to choose the right major. And after college, just by a chance, they find a job. And then there's a disconnection between high school to college and college to the, the industry. Because of that gap, I I thought that I should continue my master's in education, but higher education, so I can understand the higher education system and how I can manage the kids' career management process. Because my thesis is a person's life is decided by a 17-year-old boy or a girl just because Mm, our 17-year-old person is choosing our life. Who am I now? Because he is choosing... Mm -hmm. I want mm-hmm. to study, who to meet with. And in this way, I mm-hmm. figured out that if we can guide kids at early ages, so we can guide oh. them through, with our guidance, kids can choose their paths better. That yep. thing made me to go that path. So I studied higher education in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. for two years, master's in Drexel University. But in that time, I also studied at independent education consultancy at Harvard. And I work about six years in the U.S., stay there. Oh, wow. And, yeah, help kids in New York for career management, college admission counseling, everything. The admission is not just for the U.S., but there are other countries that people choose, like United Kingdom is very popular, 
Canada is very popular. Uh, Netherlands is very, very popular and Italy. Hmm. So my focus it, it's not only now for the U.S., but it's only for other countries. Uh, what percentage of that is college placement slash university placement versus um, career? Whoever say what, we just say we should do the assessment first in terms of the career, character, potential, vision, everything. So after understanding the student, we say, hey, now you should study computer science, for example. And for your potential, you should go to, you can go to NYU or you can go to University of Toronto or you can go to Eindhoven Tech or you can go to Polytechnic Milano, you know. So we just choose which program, like which career paths. We do career assessments. After that, I do coaching, like, because kids come to us when they are ninth grade mm-hmm. or tenth grade. So just mm-hmm. a career, then we have three or four year plan. After that, the, the admission uh, process starts. What exactly is uh, 4C4 Life, the educational model? Can you just explain? So 4C4 Life means like uh, there are four terms in our life. The character term that is between 0 to, you can say, 17 or 20s. Then college, then career, then citizenship. So you first, uh, you are born with a character and you have to develop your character first. But during the character development, there's a college process, which is like college means education, actually. Like in Europe, college means high school, you know. So college is actually from uh, first grade to college grade, you know, it's education process. Mm -hmm. After college, you get your career. So it's a career life. But after 40s, you have your career now, and you have to be a citizen. People expect you to be a father or you, you should be a Right, like a kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, other responsibilities, other competencies. So I have yeah. designed different competencies for different terms. And what I figured out is universities, especially top universities, are looking for competencies instead of the test scores. Like, let's say Harvard say, when I look at a student's portfolio resume, I check leadership, caring for others, creativity, and love of learning. Those four competencies are very important to me. If you develop your competencies, you are more admittable to colleges, universities, basically. Hmm. Interesting. Can you explain what the college process is like in Turkey, maybe for our domestic audience? You know, how does that differ, you know, in your perspective from how we would go about it here in the United States? So in the world, actually, there are two types of admissions. One is only test-oriented. So in Germany, for example, in Turkey, in France, there are some uh, entrance exams for universities. You just get into exam, pass the score, and you just get in. That's it. They don't look for your community services or your internships or college credits. It's only your uh, school GPA and the entrance exam. So in Turkey, it's the same. If you want to go to top university in the U.S., in Turkey, you just study very hard, like SAT, but you got to get 100% SAT to go to top schools. 1.5 million students get into that exam every year in Turkey. And the first 50,000 students get into good schools, but the rest is just eh, schools, you know. If you want to get into top university in Turkey, as an American citizen, for example, you just get your SAT score, that's it. Not Nothing else. You don't have to do community service or APs or internships. Wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Just exam. One exam is... Mm-hmm. So, we, which is why test prep is very, very important in Turkey. Like, 
you know, what you do, Jeff, is like here, it's crazy. You touched on this a little bit, but I mean, are there differing approaches to applying to schools in UK, Europe, Canada, Italy? Maybe just get into some of the nuances and details of that. One dollar was equal to 3.5 Turkish lira in the past, like three years ago. But now one dollar is about 8.5 Turkish lira. Mm. It's really increased because of economic issues, political issues and all mm, pandemic yeah. issues, everything. This is why uh, last three, four years, people are looking for less expensive uh, education abroad. So when you go to university in US as an international student, you got to pay about 60 or 70 thousand dollars. For um, countries like Turkey, it's like crazy expensive. Like, imagine right. like 70,000 70, is about 600,000 Turkish lira. And you can buy an apartment uh, with this amount of money in Turkey. So you have to be very, very wealthy. And the scholarship for international students got less. This is why people mm. uh, start to choose other options. For example, in Netherlands, it's only uh, 15,000 euro education. Really? And it's only three, three years. So even like for American citizens, like that student can go to Netherlands and he only pays 45,000 euro. It's about $50,000, let's say. That's a big difference. Years. That's a big years, difference. Yeah. So you, Europe is a very good option for uh, US citizens. Even the UK is cheaper than US because let's say if you go to UCL, you pay about $35,000, but you still pay three years, not four. So what is your favorite part about the college process and what's your least favorite part? The finding the right fit for the kids. So when I find out that which program is best for the kids and the universities and everything, and when the family says, yes, we're on the same page, uh, working that's very enjoyable. I actually kind of want to circle back around to something you were talking about earlier, which is a sort of drying up of scholarship funding. Is it also becoming more competitive to land some of those scholarships for schools? Let's say Cornell. Can you imagine, like, you get into Cornell, but you have no scholarship? Like, that's frustrating. I mean, yeah, that's got to be super yeah, frustrating. I mean, yeah. you, you are Cornell. Like, you have money, you have potential, you have everything. Like, if you accept someone, right. you got to pay for, like, the scholarship. But they say, you know, I mean, we are not need lines or need every year. Just Have you had students like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah that situation yeah. has come up? Oh, okay. Is that frequent? Last two years that happened. Like I have two students last year who got accepted to top schools, but because of scholarship issue, they chose to stay, stay in Turkey or go to some other schools in Europe. That's uh, hard. Mm. And in, in undergraduate level, it's really hard to get some. Uh, I don't promise to anyone. Like sometimes some parents say, hey, can you promise us some scholarships? I say, no, I mean, there's no promise. One thing I noticed in my conversation with Erta Gruel so far is that a Student Hub is unique in its approach because of its backward planning. It determines basically where do you want to be in your professional life and then works towards that goal. Uh, I think it's opposite. I, I suspect that internationally there's a there's a bit more emphasis on a sense of direction of like you need to be going into this field you need to figure that out you know we're going to set you on the course to to, to reaching that goal 
but I wonder too if uh, personality isn't a, a factor in that, independent of culture, independent of where you're, which country you're coming from. I think some people just have it kind of figured out and some people don't. So it's important for an educational consultant to be flexible in sorting out who's who. What are your thoughts on how to best support kids as they make that leap into higher ed? I guess I'm particularly interested too, and from an international perspective, because I, I think there's a lot of a lot of change that 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 they have to go through. Um, so I'm wondering how to best support them. So of course there are two objectives for this. One is academic, the other one is social. So academic wise, mm. what I say to kids like after they get, they get accepted and they choose which school to go, which is about April or May of the year, I say. Just go to your program, if it is, let's say, economics, and check the first semester course and choose two of them, which is the hardest ones. And for those courses, take some private lessons from somewhere. And just at least you should have some ideas about what will going on. First semester is the most important term of the college. Because yeah, if you fail in the first right. semester, it's really hard to, because you lose your psychology, you get more anxiety, you know, all those mm -hmm. stuff. And even professor mm -hmm. says you're not a good mm -hmm. student, you know, so they rate you less. And socially, in mm. terms of international students, I just try to orient them in terms of housing, uh, shopping, like relationships, uh, student clubs, you know, all those stuff. But of course, last two years, because of pandemic there, there wasn't much college life, so maybe next year. What unique challenges do you think uh, international students are facing because of the pandemic? Um, one of my students who got accepted to the University of Rochester uh, medical program, he was really ready to go to Rochester. When they told the mm -hmm. university, they said the classes will be all online. There's no in-the-classroom in teaching. Mm -hmm. But right. still, he said, I would like to mm -hmm. go there, stay in the dormitory. I want to experience the campus life. But uh, more than half of the students, they were not able to go because parents said, hey, you shouldn't go. What if you get sick or we get sick? Some that possibility. Yeah. So that was a crazy disappointment mm. for them. Plus, uh, there was also time difference. Let's say we have seven hours time difference from U.S. When they start a class there, students have to get into class here at nighttime, which is also a challenge. And those majors was performing arts or arts or engineering, like which requires laboratory, those also get accepted negatively. So say I have a child that's that's applying to colleges right now. What's what are some of the things that should be at the forefront of my mind? What should I be thinking about? I mean, in terms of parents, it's mostly money wise and emotional wise. Like you gotta talk like money is something real. So you gotta talk to kids first, like hey. This is the money I can afford. So mm. you can apply to those schools, but you cannot apply those. Like, let's make this deal before mm -hmm. starting application. Because students can dream. Like, they dream a school and they get accepted. And if you say, hey, I cannot send this to this school because of money. I mean, that's a bad thing. Why do you think that happens? Why? Yeah, with parents. Like, what's the disconnect there? I mean, sometimes they just don't believe that students can be accepted. <laughs> right. And sometimes they don't really care because they are very busy. Oh, and, I see. and sometimes they expect to get some scholarship. Like, or students sometimes say misinformation, say, hey, mom, I mean, this school can give me 50% scholarship and you, you, you got to pay 30000 And then say, okay, just apply. 
This is why parents should go over the college list with the student in terms of financial aid, like FAFSA, CSS, everything, whatever is uh, necessary, and they should prepare their documents. Even when parents do CSS profile with us, they figured out that, wow, I mean, this is the amount of money we should pay. So they realize the process. Until that point, they don't realize the money issues, but they do after that. And emotional wise, uh, parents don't want to stay too far from their kids. That's, that's tough, though. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. hard. It's a, it's a moment, I think, that's been coming for 18 years. It's not like there's been a lack of time to, to consider these things. And it's coming very soon. It's coming very yeah. soon. Well, it's, like a, it's almost like a denial, the end of that era. Facing that reality, I think, earlier rather than later is, is much better like, for the kid. Do you have any stories about complicated relationships between kids and parents um, in the college process? Oh, yeah. I have one. So one of my students was like, she was a very genius. She was everything. She has artistic skills. She has uh, writing skills. She had high scores in IB exams. Mm -hmm. Uh, she got ACT just once. She didn't even study for it. She got 15, 20. Oh, my God. Wow. And she got into a university research, published two college credit courses from Cornell one summer, and she got accepted from Cornell. But that student was like, a, she was very depressive profile. She was always saying this, I should get accepted to college and I should leave my parents forever. I don't want to see them, you know. So she was eager to get away from home. They, they were always like in fight, but mm. they were supportive parents. Like they were supportive, but in terms of relations, I mean, it's really hard to talk to them together. But at the end, she got accepted to Cornell and she went there and she's probably very successful now. Sometimes, for example, when I say to my parents, hey, if there is something that is good for your son or daughter, please don't tell to them. Tell to me. I'm the bridge. Just tell me. There's an internship opportunity in Germany. And parents say, hey, you should go to that internship. Since the parents say it, kids say no, just because they are saying no. Because they're, you know, uh, adolescent yeah. ages. So they say yeah. no to everything in those ages, which is why I say, hey, I'm the bridge. Tell me and I can tell them. So that relationship is tough, mostly because of uh, hormones, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's definitely a factor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's... It's been a decision that's 18 years coming. That's 18 years of interaction. I mean, between parent and child, there's just so much packed up in that relationship. And then just your dreams for them and your ambitions and, and theirs. I mean, that's just, it's just so emotionally complicated. Um, so I imagine that a, a lot of your role really is, is, is coaching those two parties sort of through that. Yeah, which is why I'm just telling parents, hey, don't try to tell your son or daughter to do something. Just tell me or tell one of his or her teacher because we are their guidance. Like, totally. there's a message. You're a parent for them. Nothing else. Even you're a CEO of Google. Still, you are just right. the father, you know? One thing that stuck out to me in the second portion of our discussion was the guidance that's really necessary in scouting out classes 
it's a completely different experience if you have one professor versus the other. And guess what? There are nightmare professors in every institution that will frankly make your life hell with the exact same material. I think it's key to get that kind of support, whether that's a mentor, whether that's a, a tutoring center, a dean's office, or in, you know, some sort of guidance along those lines. Oftentimes kids don't know where to look for that stuff. Another point that I found interesting was that concept of confidence, I guess is what I would label it, of a kid that's first there at college. It's like, if things don't click right away, you know, that can really bog you down. And if you don't get that sort of initial traction, you don't really feel like you can make it. And it's really tough to recover from that. They sort of give up as a form of survival. So really hitting the ground running, I guess is very key. Uh, and I think that also partially explains why you have such a huge attrition rate for kids who don't make it back to sophomore year of college. For those who have younger students, like me, for example, my daughter's nine, what is college admissions going to look like in five to 10 years from now? Colleges are transition to industry and industry is getting more and more in our lives because people are more workaholic because in the past, life is about getting married, having kids, you know, getting your lands, you know, all those kind of, but now life is in the city. It's just work, work, work. I'm not saying this is good. But this is what it is. Universities are the feeders all of the industry. So when they look for the kids, they want to see what the human resources department are looking for. You know, because when you study in a college, the company come to campus and they look for the candidates. And they look for those competencies, like creativity, you know, teamwork, all those kind of stuff. So admission right. will go to that point. And addition to that, People keep asking for like future jobs. What I can tell, uh, tell in terms of industry, health, energy, and food industry. Those three industries are, they keep growing. They will mm -hmm. evolve, let's say, organic foods or just opposite, like fake food. Like education, like food, energy is very yeah. important because energy is like big thing, you know. Like even mm -hmm. technologies, like people say, hey, coding, like you got to be a, like a coder, you got to be computer science, you know, maybe after 10 years, like the, the computers will code by themselves. Like it's wow. not big. So yeah. maybe like those who knows coding may not be that important anymore. Right. So it's really right. what, what robots cannot do is creative stuff. So creativity is very, very important right now. Like, mm. like mm -hmm. they cannot make music or they cannot design a bottle, you know, so mm -hmm. creative stuff mm -hmm. or for example, coaching is very humanistic. Like a robot cannot coach people. So working with people and yeah, creativity. Like human side uh, oriented jobs may be more popular. So it's important mm. to read the future, uh, make kids more futuristic, like who can see what is options there. And of mm. course, like if you can see, because sometimes it's easy to see what your kids, like nine-year-old kid, it's really hard to find the right job for the kid right now. But if mm -hmm. sometimes, if you have the chance that, hey, girl has really has potential of drawing, like, and she's very good at maths, she can be an architect or architectural design engineer or something like that, at least you can push her to study math and design. Like, you can send his, her to courses for drawing 
you can just improve those skills. Uh, some parents I have, they want their kids to do everything. Do sports, do art, do community service, do this. Do... No, no, no. Not that. Just do one, mm. one or two things, but very good, like very good way. Yeah, that's excellent advice too. I think a lot of our like cultural background, having a variety of interests, like being like the Renaissance man, I think is what we what we sort of used to call it in this country. Good at a few things, but a master of none. You know, that's traditionally been kind of the model academic. Um, if you were to give parents one piece of advice in entering this fall's admission process, what would that be? So during the pandemic process, like universities changed a lot of policies in terms of admissions, financial aid, everything. So after they create their college list, and it has to be maybe 50 universities, they should go over every single admission page and financial aid page, those two pages, and read every single sentence. Because some says we don't need SAT. Some says if you send SAT, we may accept it, you know. So those two pages are very updated. Plus, some of them accepts um, additional like AP or IB uh, courses. Some say we don't consider them. And there's another thing. Uh, since last year, uh, international students were not able to go to US. Universities got financially down very badly. And same thing may continue this year as well. Since there's less money, uh, universities chose to accept more students. Like instead of getting high quality students, they said low quality but with more money. You know, right? So, well, you gotta cover. You gotta cover the budget, right? In the past, it was really hard to get in maybe NY, but now it's easier. Right. So, All right, and then just one last question: uh, If you had a piece of advice for uh, a student entering the college process this fall, what would that be? For US, the essay piece is very very crucial. Uh, create a essay list like uh, for 20 colleges for example you gotta pay write, write about 35 piece of essays some of them 150 uh, words some of them more uh, and talk about their topics with someone who know the process before like it can be an essay coach it can be your college guidance or it can be an english teacher but kids let's say when i for example columbia university has a question what is uh, most important to you? And most of the students answer this question, my family. Like, this is very, you know, cliche, like, very classic right. answer. Right. If you say my right. family, I mean, come on, this is garbage. Just Yeah, you want to stand yeah. out on those things. Yeah, you yeah, got to. Exactly. So, piece is very crucial. Uh, other than that, they should get in, you know, like, if they can, they should definitely visit the universities. That's the last chance. The visit mm. is very important. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. get their cards business card getting in connection with admission people is very crucial because they know you they know they see your potential maybe you share your art portfolio or resume and they can understand for example this year ap scores went down especially online ap scores oh, i didn't know that hmm. ap scores but the ones with online who took online they right. got down because online uh, version of the ap's got very harder this year Trying to avoid cheating, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because of cheating, they made it crazy hard. Right. But but for those study fairly and who get into exam without cheating, they got very less scores. I mean, I know students who test well are taken by were taken by their teachers. You know, to get five. Right. But the opposite, right. there are some others who are very fairly got by themselves and they got two. 
but maybe that kid was very much, much more successful. Let's yeah. go to college and explain his or her situation, you know. That's also an right. input for them. Right. This is a crucial part, I think. It should be also openly for U.S. citizens. They can consider if they have financial issues, they can consider universities in Europe. Like it's much cheaper and much mm. better. Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. find good schools. Mm-hmm. They use AP for them. So keep an open mind. Well, thank you so much, Ertugru, uh, for uh, being with us today. Thank you. Anytime. Here are a few things that stuck out to me in my conversation with Ertugru. You know, the concept of uh, creativity being sort of a universal thing in five to 10 years' time. And I think it's very difficult to predict where things are going to be and then try to fit in. What should I do with my with my kid, with my student? Um, what should they do about their career and training for their career? Wow, it gets pretty complicated pretty quickly. But as he pointed out, there are some universals. There are some things that like we're always going to need. You know, he identified some really good threads about those needs. Creativity being one. Robots really are not that creative at all. Their ability to improvise is surprisingly limited. You know, any educational field that involves the development of creativity is really important. Another really interesting point that we brought up in our conversation was this idea of parents having to come to terms with their student leaving sooner rather than later, which seems a little ironic to me, you know, because it's been 18 years in the making. So it's like it's not it it hasn't been any shortage of time to prepare as a parent, and yet I guess it's because it's been so much time, because there's been so much anticipation about this is, you know, the end. In a lot of ways, it does feel like like an end, you know, actually coming to, to terms um, with the fact that the student might be 3,000 miles away, that they might be doing something completely different from what the parent had in mind for them. I think he makes an excellent point in that you really need to hash that stuff out in your own head first. There were some interesting highlights in comparing and contrasting international schools with domestic ones that stuck out to me. Uh, Number one is, well, of course, cost. Generally speaking, American schools are much more expensive. What you've got to guess, consider is, uh, you know, what the value is of what you're getting out of that experience. Educationally, as Ertha Gruel pointed out, I'm not sure that it's that superior in the United States and, you know, an educational experience to go to, say, Bates versus, you know, Pembroke in England. At the end of the day, the educational experience comes down to the student. It's important to keep in mind, and people are a bit shallow at the end of the day. Let's let's be real. The name recognition matters for hiring. I think it's a balancing act between name recognition and the value of the degree that you're getting for the number of dollars um, that you're spending on it. Thanks for listening to Highway to Higher Ed, the podcast that helps the parents of today's rising college stars navigate the obstacles in college admissions to find the best possible college match and help them thrive once they get there. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you.